All right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. I am your host, Aaron Maxson, along with my regular co-hosts, Nate Maxson and Mark Crew. What's up, fellas? Happy Kwanzaa, everybody. Hanukkah, whatever Christmas you celebrate. Happy Ramahana Kwanzaa. <laughs> yeah, it's a festivus for the rest of ever. It's now um, time for the airing of the grievances. And there's going to be some on these shows. Um, if you guys are not aware of what this show is, and um, a lot of you probably aren't if you're listening to it now, um, the 20 of you that listen to it regularly, you know what we're doing. Um, it is basically going through the calendar year of 1997, discussing major wrestling programs and pay-per-views, which would be WCW and the WWF at this time. So we're doing a week-by-week breakdown of WWF Raw and WCW Nitro, plus the pay-per-views. We're in the middle of June here. So this week we're going to be discussing um, the Raw and Nitro from June 16th, 1997. Um, We're coming out of the um, WCW pay-per-view, the Great American Bash, which was a pretty decent show. Um, So basically, if you want to know what was going on in 97 from the start, don't listen to this show. Go back to the beginning and listen. Or if you just want to tag along and see what's going on on the second half, then go ahead and keep on listening. Um, Do you guys have anything you want to talk about before we roll into this Nitro after the Great American Bash. For anybody that's a collector, just so you know, next, if you ever order anything from Ringside Collectibles, hope they fuck up your order. Because I made an order last week. Uh, there were a couple of things that I wanted. Because they had some they had some badass pricing on their website last week. There were a couple of things that I ordered for myself. And then there's something that I ordered Aaron for Christmas. And with two, with two of the figures they sent me, I ordered two separate figures. They accidentally sent me two of the same figure. So I emailed them and with, you know, with a picture of it and my receipt and said, I ordered these two figures, but I got two of the same. And they were like, oh, sorry about that. We'll send you the figure you get. And you know what? The one you got in an accident, just keep it. <laughs> so I was like, well, all right. Then. But yeah, so hope, hope, gift. Fuck, hope, ring, hope ringside fucks up your order. Get some extra. Um, I would hope that would happen. Yes. <laughs> Um, just so you guys know, when we came out of the Great American Bash, just a recap of that pay-per-view, um, the Ultimo Dragon defeated um, Psychosis, Harlem Heat versus the Steiner Brothers for the number one contendership. The Harlem Heat won that by disqualification. Um, Conan beat Hugh Morris. Um, Wrath and Glacier had a match, which Glacier won. Akira Hokuto versus Medusa, title versus career. Akira Hokuto Won that, so Medusa must retire. Chris Benoit defeated Dean Malenka, or Chris Benoit defeated <laughs> Meng. Sorry, I don't know why I said uh, I'm so used to saying Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko's name in the same vein. But anyway, Chris Benoit defeated Dean Malenko in a death match. Um, Steve McMichael lost to Kevin Green. <clears throat> the Outsiders defeated um, Roddy Piper and Ric Flair in a tag team title match, which in Ric Flair abandoned Roddy Piper. To, ch- to chase off six. I'm bringing that up because that's a big angle in the in the show that's coming up. And then um, the Macho Man Randy Savage defeated um, Diamond Dallas Page to essentially end their feud and their lights out unsanctioned match. So with that being said, we're rolling in to WCW Nitro there in Chicago. 
which is um, notoriously a hotbed for professional wrestling, um, always has been, and in my opinion, has basically um, overtaken New York, in my opinion. But anyway, um, and also yeah. in the in that during the Monday Night Wars, um, Chicago, at least. Early on, where Chicago was much more a WCW town than a WWE. Yeah, I think because they whoever what that guy that owned the Chicago Arena or whatever was friends with Flair and all them and stuff, so he would yeah. have them. Yeah, and New York was still a thing at this point. Like it didn't cost like billions of millions of dollars or whatever to fucking book Madison Square Garden. But yeah, um, and the other reason that I think it was more. Um, substantial at this time, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. Is um, the I shouldn't even say we'll talk about it in a minute, we'll talk about it now. The NWO played better to bigger city crowds than it did to like Biloxi or whatever, right? You know what I mean? Like Chicago was like, it's Kevin Nash, it's Hulk Hogan, it's it's Scott Hall that like they were more into it, so the crowds were hotter because. Mm-hmm. They were more in makes. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, the show opens with the NWO arriving, and the NWO that arrives is Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Randy Savage, and Dennis. Rod- and obviously, Rodman's <laughs> over because they're in Chicago. Um, they do the big walk through the backstage area because they arrive in their limo or Hummer limo, whatever. And they walk through the backstage. Hogan and Rodman are verbally stroking each other off while they smoke their cigars. Um, Bischoff ends up, they wind up in the ring. Um, Bischoff ends up saying, I got nothing but love. We got nothing but love for you people. Um, which is where I put my notes that they popped because big cities up north love the NWO. And then they mentioned that both Rodman and Hogan are multiple time world champions. And they start talking about um, the Giant and Lex Luger. And Dennis Rodman, multiple times, keeps saying, we're going to take out the Giant and Lex Luthor. (laughs) And and he's not doing it, you know, to be funny. He has no fucking idea what he's taught. (laughs) Keeps saying, the Giant and Lex Luthor are going to go down to us. It's like the equivalent of when um, fucking Trump was going to that WrestleMania and was like, "I'm gonna have my, I'm gonna have my charge, Leslie, my guy, Bobby Leslie, Bobby <laughs> Leslie." It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you were basically wondering where the fuck did Superman come into WCW? <laughs> yeah. It's just it's ridiculous, and I've said over and over and over again that. Rodman's one of my least favorite personalities ever, but he's uh, he's definitely one of my least favorite wrestling celebrities ever come in the business. He had no respect for the wrestling business. He, I'm not saying he wasn't a fan of it, but he didn't take it seriously. And I just I don't appreciate him at all. Yeah, it wasn't no uh like when they brought Tyson in with the whole Michaels and Austin angle. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it wasn't even like like. It wasn't even like Mr. T. You know what I mean? Like Mr. T essentially uh, like probably wasn't a wrestling fan, but he at least respected it. Right. And trained and and learned the like Ke- learned as much of the craft as he could, you know. 
Kevin Federline was better a better celebrity than Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> That's Kevin, saying a lot. Kevin Kevin Federline was actually a really good wrestling celebrity heel. Yeah. Like I, I didn't I didn't know shit about him because I don't pay attention to celebrity shit. I didn't know a goddamn thing really about the guy until and I don't want to take the show in the I didn't know anything hardly about the dude until he showed up on and on Raw and that whole shit he did with Cena. I thought he was great. Yeah, the whole oh. America's Most Hated and all that. Yeah, he played a good dirt bag, and the only reason that it fucking didn't go any further is because him and uh, uh, Britney Spears ended up getting a divorce or whatever, so he had to go deal with that. But but yeah, Rodman, I just don't think he and and it's been in multiple books. Of people that had to deal with him like Luger and Giant wanted to work with him at the power plant and he'd show up like like six hours late shit like that it's like but anyway that's how we open the show and they all leave and then Mike Tanay unless you guys said anything else on that uh, do you got the dark match for this one I do not uh, the dark match was Psychosis defeating Yuji Nagata yeah, that would have been a decent match um, Mike Tanay, uh, Tony Schiavone, and Larry Zabisco check in on play by play. They say that Ric Flair will be here tonight and he will speak for himself about what happened last night. And then we roll into our opening match, which is Mortis with James Vandenberg versus once again Glacier. Um, the Brawl oh. Star- oh, go ahead. There was two dark, uh, dark matches. There was a dark tag team championship match versus the Steiner brothers and Public Enemy. My bad. <laughs> okay. Um, so the opening match for the broadcast is Mortis with James Vandenberg versus Glacier. The brawl starts at ringside. Um, they're still putting over the fact that Glacier has decided to um, um, put aside his martial arts discipline and starts fighting dirty. Because he's tired of Wrath and Vandenberg and Mortis like ganging up on him. Um, Wrath comes out. He tries to get involved, but Glacier still gets his sidekick, which is the cryonic kick or chronic kick, whatever the fuck they call it. And Glacier um, wins via pinfall when he kicks the shit out of Mortis. And then there's another um, Mortis, Vandenberg, Wrath beatdown on Glacier, but this time, once again, Ernest Miller shows up and he runs those guys up. It's same old, same old wash, rinse, repeat with this situation. That's what I was going to say. I don't have any comment on it because it's recycled. I'd be, I'd be saying the same thing I said every week before. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like when they said, try to say, oh, this bottle of water <laughs> was recy- recycled from, you know, such and such plastic. Who gives a shit? It's water. <laughs> <laughs> baby diaper water we get it so anyway (laughs) that happened and then um mean gene ends up interviewing medusa about losing her career and medusa cuts a half-ass promo um thanking the fans and all this that and the other thing and um it is what it is medusa was a talented wrestler in the ring and she looked good and i thought she was a good valet and all that but you can't say that she was a great player nah. no not really so she's she kind of muddles through this so medusa weighs the fans her career's over see you later um so unless you guys get anything on medusa 
bouncing out. We're good. Nope. <laughs> she literally bounced out. I mean, she has some big old knockers. Um, <laughs> it's basically like on that movie, The Ringer. I've seen better acted in pornos. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Dean Malenko comes out and he wants to <clears throat> fight Eddie Guerrero because Eddie Guerrero has been getting involved in his matches. Um, but Eddie Guerrero doesn't, he says, get out here, Guerrero. I want to face you. <clears throat> but instead of Eddie Guerrero, we get Chavo Guerrero Jr. And Chavo comes out and uh, commentators are confused because they are thinking that Eddie should have accepted the challenge, but it wasn't. So it's Chavo. And these two end up having a pretty decent match. Um, this is really young Chavo Guerrero, but Chavo was fucking duck to water. You know what I mean? Like he was he was like, his father's son. Yeah, like promo wise, he wasn't that great starting out, and he got a lot better. Like you, you can't deny that he did. Didn't you know? What I, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But early wise, he might have not been the best promo in the world, but in the ring, that dude fucking duck to water. There's yeah, he, he was a great He had it. Um. And plus, you're in there with fucking Dean Malenko. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to have a fucking bad match. Right. Um, so they go back and forth. They have a pretty good um, television match. Uh, Malenko ends up um, flapjacking Guerrero and gets him into the cloverleaf. And then um, while the match is going on, while he's in the cloverleaf, Eddie Guerrero comes out but doesn't run down to save Chavo. And the commentators are talking about how that's his as his uncle and their closest brothers he's not coming to help him and then um malenko ends up breaking the clover leaf and eddie ends up just kind of walking away and not helping Chavo. so it was readily apparent that eddie's arm is no longer broke he's still healthy but basically when malenko said get out here Guerrero, i want to fight you eddie talked his nephew into going out there and falling on the sword so the story is Malenko wants Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero wants nothing to do with Dean Malenko, so he's essentially sending Chavo in to do it. That about this, at this time, this is um, physically, this is physically, everybody knows Eddie Guerrero is one of my favorite of all time. Um, physically, this is during this, during 97 is probably the best he ever physically. Uh, I wouldn't say that. He was just so, I mean, he was lean and he was cut. Okay, I'm just saying like, I like visually wise, it was it was when he beat Brock. I well during that time I don't know he had just like because when he first started and I, again not to get in the weeds but when he first started he was kind of pudgy and then at this time he like I said he was really lean and cut and then by the time and I'm not even shit he's in shape I'm I'm a fucking <laughs> pasty five foot six white guy I, the dude was in shape no matter when he wrestled but then by the by the by the time he beat Brock. Yes, he looked good, um, and then you know I don't know. It just during that that last year before his death, he I, I guess the word I'm looking for he looked a bit bloated, but yeah. but yeah, I'm just saying like just he looks some, during this time is when he looks the most physically impressive to me. But anyway, I mean, everything's subjective. But like I said, when when he had the short hair and he was the fucking champ or whatever, he was. That's what I thought. I was like that dude, the height of his whatever and unfortunately that was probably when he was in the height of his that decline yeah Yeah. and he probably didn't even realize it you know i don't know i'm partial to the whole uh long-haired heel eddie that i don't know that just was over with me 
Yeah, that's what Nate's kind of talking about. But I and, and I like that Eddie, but and I like every incarnation, just physical wise. Like when he was doing, like working with Kurt and Edge and all that. Like he was a fucking genetic freak. Right. But, um. So unless you guys got anything else on the the build, like it, it's just starting this Milanco Guerrero feud, which is actually entertaining. Um, we move into a lucha match for the evening. It's Super Colo versus La Parca. Um, they have a little feud going on because if you remember um, the last um, Nitro we had, um, La Parca ended up cracking Super Colo with the chair. So now they're having their match. Um, my first note is La Parca is my favorite WCW luchador that's not named Rey Mysterio Jr. Because <laughs> I don't count Eddie as a, I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna put that out there. Lu, Eddie didn't come in with the Luchadors. Eddie came in before that, but he's my favorite. Like what they're presenting is their cruiserweight division. Um, Super Clo, he's on my list too. Um, he ends up doing another one of those flip dies where he blows into the crowd. Like that dude fucked up, rolled into the crowd, and then they just kept making him do it. They were like, right. <laughs> Like, oh, do shit. that again. It popped. <laughs> Great. You gotta do that again. Um, so he does it again. And then um, they continue doing their match. And then Super Colo ends up hitting a Frankensteiner off of the top rope and pitting La Parca. And then they wind up brawling outside of the ring. And La Parca picks up one of those mold. It's not a folding plastic. It's one of those molded ones. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like it's got like the indent for like an ass, right? Like it's got like where it sits down so your your cheeks can sit in it and all that, you know. Well, he picks one of those up and he blasts Super Colo over the fucking head with it, <laughs> and the indented ass part of it just blows out of the chair. Like he fucks that dude up <laughs> with a fucking blow molded plastic chair. And when I watched it. I was like, man, I wish Chad was on here because I think he'd probably tell me I'm right. I think I'd rather get hit with one of the the metal ones. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, the, I might the, be the, wrong, but the thin the thin part of the seat on a metal chair is probably more for than that hard ass plastic. Yeah, and those 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 plastic ones, what goes underneath those? When you look at one of those chairs, oh, like a steel, a steel, or a metal two beam. of them, two yeah. of them, two of them with bolts underneath it, right? Like, <laughs> like, like four bolts going in. So he picks up, like, Laparca picks up this blow molded chair and just bashes Super Clo right in the fucking head with it. And I'm like, God damn! And the chair fucking explodes. And I hope that those guys knew how to fuck. Like, I hope there's a way they figured out how to gimmick it. But if they didn't. La Parker was just like, fuck it, let's do this. And Kalel was like, do it. I got the a hard way. I got a little hat on. Maybe that'll help. I was gonna say Kalel was like, I've got my cigarettes in my hat. It's yeah. fine. We'll be good. We'll be good. And he fucking blow he blasted him with it. Um, but it is a very good match. Like I said, Kalo wins. So the little mini feud between La Parca and Super Kalo can there's probably not a lot on that, right, nope. guys? All right, the next thing we got is Mean Gene interviewing um, Team Bland. That's what I've decided to name them. And <laughs> Lex Luger and the Giant. 
Um, I understand that the crowds were into him or whatever, but these guys together do nothing for me. Um, and they discuss the upcoming match that they're having with um, Rodman and Hogan at um, Bash at the Beach. And they challenge Rodman and Hogan for later. T- so they don't want to wait for Bash at the Beach. They want to wrestle. Them. This is an ongoing thing with WCW. Of We have this pay-per-view we're building. And the way we think we need to promote this fucking main event is to just have the main event on our free television. And it's more Eric Bischoff's obsession with beating Raw yeah. than, any, than anything else. Like I said, it's it's bad. In my opinion, it's bad booking. It's lazy booking. And, and, you're, and you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yes. So that's what we're getting there. Uh, we don't find out if Hogan and Rodman are going to accept. But Luger and Giant have put that out there, and then they leave. And then the next match we get is the amazing French Canadians, which are an underrated tag team in any incarnation, in my opinion, with Colonel Robert Parker as their manager. And they're facing the Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry as their manager. And it's a basic um, tag team match. And mainly, it's getting over the Harlem Heat had become the number one contenders by disqualification and also putting over the storyline that is one of Nate's favorites of Colonel Robert Parker wanting to to, with Sherry. I wanted to (laughs) slip the the D to Sherry. And Sherry not quite sure she wants to, but then like seeing the seam of his his little pants and being like, all right, I might want to do that. (laughs) Because all unofficial reports is that Robert Parker had a hog on him and still does. He's still alive. So he's like a fucking 80 year old man. Just big old <laughs> it, don't, it don't work no more, but it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pop these Viagra's and she'll love me. Blue too. I got, I got feelings for that girl. <laughs> I don't got serious about that gal. Yeah, that's what it was. I got serious <laughs> about that girl. <laughs> what a fucking performer. Oh man, um, what was it? Fully said in his book because he went to he went to WCW and he was Colonel Robert Parker and Colonel Robert Parker was cool. You know what I mean? Like he was like one of the best things about WCW from like ninety. What was it? He got there in like 93? 93. up until probably ninety seven, like we're talking about now. And then Tennessee Lee that was entertaining too. But like in Foley's book, he's like, if they, if either one of those companies just would have let it be Robert Parker, it would have been fucking gangbuster. Yeah. Like nobody would have been able to fucking like even compete with it. You know what I mean? But this isn't a fucking Robert Parker podcast. But um, <laughs> he's just over. <laughs> oh, he's great. He's fucking um, him and Jimmy Golden are most underrated tag teams in wrestling, in my opinion. Um, but the like I said, it's the amazing French Canadians with Robert Parker versus Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. It's a basic tag team match. Um, nobody does anything wrong in it, but it's just it's just a basic TV match. And the Harlem Heat ends up debuting their um, new move, which they call the Big Apple, and the Harlem Heat are um, and that moves into Mean Gene Oakland interviewing J.J. Dillon, and he says that the Harlem Heat won an attainted victory at the Great American Bash, and J.J. is trying to 
uh, state what his his um, rulings are on this match. And the Harlem Heat's upset, say, saying, like, you know, we won the match. Just shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear what you have to say. And um, Vincent ends up coming out and saying that it was an early Christmas present from the NWO. They're allowing them to become the number one contenders. And then JJ ends up setting up a rematch for next week between the Steiner brothers and the Harlem Heat. And we'll have a definite decision. And he doesn't like the fact they won on DQ and the NWO got involved. So he ends up setting up next week a rematch for the number one contenderships between the Harlem Heat and the Steiner brothers. And the Harlem Heat's pissed off. Obviously, they can't beat JJ up, so they end up beating up Vincent. The segment. Yeah, Vincent got beat up. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it it, it it was what it was, and it, it it when I watched the Great American Bash, I was like, yeah, it was a stupid finish. But then they did this thing, and it kind of it kind of made it make a little more sense because it's trying to make it's making you realize that the that it's basically saying the outsiders don't want to fight the Steiners. You know what I mean? But it was what it was. Um, you guys get anything else on that? Nope. Virgil must have lost his meat sauce. <laughs> oh, he always has it in his pocket. He's all right. Um, the next thing is the best thing on the show. It is a cruiserweight championship match. It's six pack, accompanied by Kevin Ash and Scott Hall versus Rey Mysterio. And like I said, it's for the cruiserweight championship. Um, uh, Ray comes out and Six Pot comes out with Hall and Nash. The outsiders are trying to intimidate Ray Mysterio, but he won't back down. Um, Six Pot ends up um, giving Ray Mysterio a Bronco Buster in the corner, and the outsiders are like laughing in his face and like blowing their cigar smoke in his face. They're like intimidating him, um, and it's going back and forth. Ray gets a little bit. Six pot gets a little bit, but then um, Scott and Kevin start realizing that they're kind of underestimating Rey Mysterio. You know what I mean? Because Ray's getting a little uh, like like more offense on six than they thought he would get, so they end up striking him. And Six Pack ends up getting um, the Buzz Killer, which is basically a crossface chicken wing on Rey Mysterio, and uh, he ends up tapping out and then Kevin Nash gives Rey Mysterio a um, hell of a powerball and this is kind of sprinkling the seeds if I might have my timeline wrong but I think this is sprinkling the seeds for the upcoming Rey Mysterio Kevin Nash feud yes. and, and, and that's where we get with that but like I said Nash powerbombs Mysterio after the match they they basically beat him into powder, and I didn't really feel like a lot of times. Like when I was talking to you guys about pay per view, it's like WCW face down, ass up, backwards. This makes sense because it's Kevin Nash and Rey Mysterio, or Kevin Nash and Scott Hall beating up Rey Mysterio. Right. You know what I mean, so that makes sense. But um, they end up beating him down, and. They actually did more with my, and I know you guys didn't watch the match and I might not be able to articulate it properly, but they did more for Ray beating him up 
then you, you get what I'm saying. Like they went into the match, be like, ha ha ha, this guy he ain't gonna be able to do anything. But but as the match went on, they were like, holy shit, this is <laughs> bananas. Like we had to do something. You, you know what I mean? Like they went into the match thinking, whatever, this is gonna be easy. We don't even need to help six. We'll blow smoke in his face. We'll laugh at him. We'll taunt him from ringside to we got to get in beating up our. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so then Nash and, um, Hall, after the, um, powerbomb took out Rey Mysterio, they cut their promo on Ric Flair and Roddy Piper, and it's more shit about them being old, like, Flair and Piper being old and this, that, and the other thing. Um, and they introduce Randy Savage. Then Randy Savage, he comes out the arena with Liz, um, Macho Man puts over the Wolfpack and Hogan and Rodman, and then um, Savage ends up doing the old school heel thing about mentioning not needing any help to defeat um, DDP at the Great American Bash, which means Scott Hall got involved and gave DDP the razor's edge, the outsider's edge, I should say, allowing um, Savage to get the elbow drop. And then um, DDP comes out and calls out Randy Savage and Scott Hall, for a match at Bash at the Beach, and he has an unknown um, partner, and basically says, "I have a mystery partner, and I want to fight um, Randy Savage to Scott Hall at the Great American Bash, or not the Great American Bash, sorry, the Bash at the Beach." And they that's how that segment. So the Savage DDP stuff quite isn't quite done, but they've now injected scott hall into it It, it's a decent continuation to that feud and sprinkling other people right savage did a good job of being like oh yeah i beat ddp all by myself i didn't need any help and it it kind of saved it a little bit uh i don't say like when i watched the end of the show i was like yeah they kind of just buried ddp but then the next night savage is at least Smart enough to the business to be like, oh, I'll heal this shit. And like, right. Right, it help me. That's how that's like. So, that's that's uh, that's Kevin Sullivan booking. Yeah, it's all heat. And like I said, I, I still, even though they did it this way, I still think DDP should bash. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> from that, oh, did you have something? I was just laughing. Okay. <laughs> I still think he should have won. <laughs> oh, he should have. And I'm not even a DDP fan, but I still think DDP should have won that match. But anyway, um, the next thing is um, Lionheart Chris Jericho comes out, and he's still like, you know, Lionheart Chris Jericho. He's still throwing his body into the fans and being super cookie-cutter babyface. And he's going to face Ultimo Dragon. In a face versus face match, um, Ono comes. Sonny Ono comes out, and he tries to pay Chris Jericho to hurt the dragon, but Jericho won't accept the money. And they have a crisp back and forth match with a lot of stiff kicks. Um, nobody, um, neither one of them are going to business for themselves. You know, what I mean, like these two guys were just like, we're gonna go. Like I feel that they were probably just like both like we're gonna go out there and have a war match. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we these guys probably wrestled who knows how many times and fucking mm-hmm. and we're like, let's just go out there and it's not gonna be twenty seven minutes, but let's go out there and do a tight 
Tanner's seven or ten and show them what we can do. Right. And like I said, nobody's kicking each other in the fucking mouth or anything like that. But it's a lot of stiff kicks in the chest, and the back, the side, and all that. They have a good match. Um, Dragon does that spot I talked about at the Great American Bash. He does it again with this time with Jericho, which is that somersault in the Frankensteiner. Fucking great. <laughs> Seeing it now looking at it, it's like that is one of my favorite fucking I don't know if you guys went back and watched him or not watched it or not. But it's it's one of my favorite spots that I've ever seen a fucking wrestler do. It's fucking crisp and it's insane that anybody can do it. Um and then the Ultimo Dragon ends up winning this match with the Tiger Suplex and it's the second best thing on the show um next to that Rey Mysterio six pack match. Um, I just really enjoy. They, <clears throat> excuse me. I, mean, I, I shouldn't even have like. <clears throat> I shouldn't even have to like explain it. I, 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 I do because it's a podcast and we're talking about it. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, <laughs> Nate. But either one of you guys, I could just be like, "Oh, the next match was the Ultimo Dragon versus Chris Jericho." That's right? what I was just about to say. All you, all you have to say is that those two guys against each other, and you, in your mind, you can picture this fantastic. Right. I never saw the two of them do anything against each other. That I would not say that was fucking fantastic. Well, I mean, especially in that era, Ultimo was a great performer, and so he's, was he. He he's. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it, he is. It, it it's lost in translation because there's the nineties, the, the late, the mid to late nineties were such a big time for wrestling, right? And there's so many huge stars, but. Real recognizing Rio Ultimo Dragon Bell to Bell is one of the the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Oh yeah, he was solid as fuck. And in that era, he like I know he didn't cut promos and stuff, but in that era, like that ninety, I won't even I I don't even want to like just limit it to his American time. You know what I mean? But we will in this aspect from like ninety six to when he stopped working over here, at least on this continent. He was he was one of the top five wrestlers in America. Like, I'm not saying he was, you know, Steve Austin or whatever, because Steve Austin was everything. You know what I mean? But just bell to bell, he he I bell to bell, I'd put him in the same breath as like Dynamite Kid or Bret Hart or Randy Savage or Kurt. You know what I mean? Like he he's in that same fucking level. And Jericho I know now people, and and I'm not even knocking him now because he still, at his age, is a, a hell of a performer. But at this time, he was he was he was the he was in the same plateau. I I still think Dragon was better than him even here, but he was getting there. You know what I mean? Yep. So that happened, and it was great. And like I said, Dragon ended up beating Jericho, and then we get a. Um, Lee Marshall 1-800 collect thing, which that jumped the shark. Wasn't that great? Um, and then Mean Gene Overland introduces Roddy Roddy Piper. Um, mean Gene questions Roddy Piper about the misunderstanding between him and Flair at the pay-per-view. Um, Flair, our paper and paper Piper ends up calling out Rick Flair to clear up the rumors. Um, Flair, uh, answers the call out and he claims that six left him and basically flair comes out and says that six tried to get involved in the match he tried to chase six out of the match and when he got to the back he was um jumped by the nwo in the back 
and that's why he could not come back and help Piper. And Piper ends up accepting that, and Flair and Piper hug, and that's the end of that. It's, it solidified it when they hugged. <laughs> and then I'm sure they all went back and did cocaine together. Cocaine. <laughs> including Mean Gene. There's no way Mean Gene didn't do cocaine. Oh, yeah. Him and Lee Marshall probably snorted it up. <laughs> Lee Marshall's like, that's great. <laughs> On the road report. <laughs> what does Mean Gene say after he snorts a line? Tootie fruity. Tootie fruity. <laughs> Let's get some booty. <laughs> so, like I said, Flair says that Six led him into an ambush and Piper accepts. Um, this isn't my favorite Ric Flair or my favorite Roddy Piper. This kind of is what it is. But they're they're rolling into a Piper Flair feud, which they're going to get there eventually. Do you, do you guys have anything else on that? Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it once the feud actually starts. But just a preface to my feelings on it. As much as I love Piper, as much as I love Flair, them feuding against each other in WCW is probably the most like meh I am about the two. It just doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work. I don't think either one of them were into it. No, and it was Bischoff and Hogan and Sullivan or whoever was doing their bidding was just giving those two something to do to occupy them so they'd stay out of hope. Yeah, like they're buddies. Let's put those two together. But they, I, I think they were like, we'd rather just be buddies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And anyway, um, the next thing is um, Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton um, versus. Um, Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett with Debra. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on. You said Steve McMichael and, and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. These motherfuckers here on this damn site's got it all fucked up. Cause it says defeated Dean Malenko and Jeff Jarrett. Right. So I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like this whole time. Cause I'm looking at the card. I'm like, why the fuck did they use Dean Malenko twice? Did they not have enough wrestlers? <laughs> Well, they didn't have enough wrestlers, so they put Steve McMichael up. Yeah, because WCW only had 742 wrestlers under contract at this time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, God, at the fucking talent pool, you had to use somebody twice, and now that makes sense. Fuck, I'd rather Bull Payne. Bring him out. <laughs> but, but, yeah, this the internet's wrong, because I watched it with my own fucking eyes. It was Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton versus Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett. Um, the match is back and forth. Um, but when Scott Norton is in there, he ain't fucking around. Like he is like just throwing like Jeff Jarrett and Steve McMichael fucking like he's just like, nope, I ain't doing like I'm not doing this. Like he he gives McMichael nothing, and he does some shit with Jarrett. And I think he did some shit with Jarrett because Jarrett's a wrestler. Right. I mean, like, like I think I might be in the silent majority, but I think Jeff Jarrett gets a bad rap for being the, the in-ring. Yeah, the promoter and all that. Yeah, and being the in-ring performer. And I, I know, like, people like the Double J character and everything like that, but and, and there were certain things like him being Jerry Jarrett's kid and then just kind of being Russo's boy and that late WCW stuff and the TNA stuff, but, but bell to bell when Jarrett was in there, he wasn't terrible. 
Right. You can't say, oh, my God, that was the drizzling shits. No, it was just now his tag partner in this match. On the other hand, yeah. <laughs> I could say that about plenty of his matches. Yeah. And like I said, there was times when like guys like Malenko or Benoit or anybody else that Malenko was working with made him look good. Right. Or not Malenko, that, that McMichael was working with made him look good. Norton wasn't having it. I don't know if he was just grumpy on this night or if he was just like, fuck it. I'm not doing anything for that guy. But Norton gave um, McMichael nothing. And just, he was like, I'm going to take this guy and I'm just going to throw him all the fucking around the ring. And that's what he did to him. Um, basically imposed his own will. Yeah. <laughs> so he just, basically Norton was like, let's fuck around and find out. And fucked up. McMichael through the match, but then um, McMichael ends up turning on Jeff Jarrett, giving him giving him a tombstone pile driver, and this allows Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton to win the match via. So that's how that. So like I said, Norton was just kind of fucking with whoever he wanted to fuck with until it was time to do business, and then we'll roll into the finish of the match. And that was um, unless you guys got anything else on that. Nope. I'll just say Scott Norton ain't somebody to fuck with. Yeah, I would not want to fuck with him in no dark alley, I promise you. And I'm 6'3", 240, and I still wouldn't fuck with that guy. What's it Jericho says in his book that he has like an arm wrestling move that cannot be defeated. Like, <laughs> And he'll show anybody that wants to learn it. He's like, I'll do it to you. I'll fuck you up, and then I'll show you how to do it. But you got to take it first. <laughs> in Jericho's book, he's like, I'd tell you guys how to do it, but you got to earn it. You got to ask it. If you meet him, ask him. I ain't going to tell you how to fucking do it. Um, yeah, yeah. So then we get an NWO commercial, which are always funny. And um, I forgot to mention that. Sorry that I forgot to mention this, that they had mentioned that Hogan and Rodman obviously had accepted that challenge from the Luger and the Giant. Um, Hogan comes out with Rodman and they cut a promo, um, berating the jazz and this, that, and the other thing. And then they talk shit about the Luger, the Luger, Luger, the Luger, the Luger and the giant, the uh, Luther, yeah, the Luther. And then they call out Luger and the giant, um, and they don't come out. And then Rodman and Hogan end up saying they're going to go down and find, um, Luger and giant. And as they're walking down, Way now Luger and Giant come out. They cut them off on the ramp, and then they all start brawling, um, and it becomes this big fucking fiasco. Um, and then the NWO ends up like Giant ends up. How do I say this? They all start brawling. Luger and Giant start getting the upper hand, and then the NWO run in because Giant went to choke slam Rodman. But Hogan stopped it, and then the entire NWO hits the ring, and they start beating down Luger and the Giant, and Scott Hall is visibly giving Rodman cues in the like Giants down, like Giant went down, and then Hall literally is like elbow him, and like Robin's not listening, and he's like elbow him, and then Rodman goes and does like shitty like elbow drops to him. And they're just basically directing Rodman on what to do in the ring. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, why the fuck is this happening? As you're describing <laughs> it, 
that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, this sounds so convoluted. And then it dawned on me, dawned on to me what this was. You know what this was? A dress rehearsal. It wasn't even that. This was a match for ESPN. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not even trying to be, this was like an ESPN entertainment tonight current affair that's what this was this was them going to chicago which was which is a media hotbed you know what i mean and they knew this was going this was going to get them in their minds more eyes for bash at the beach like they were doing this not to try to get over an angle this was them doing this to get on ESPN and a current affair. Yeah, so some douchebag journalist can say, Dennis Rodman's wrestling, or yeah. Dennis Rodman in the grappling game. Yeah, and, and Rodman <laughs> knew none of the fucking cues to do the thing like where the camera was at, and Scott Hall had to be like, fucking elbow him. Like... You can't just, you, this big fuck can't be down on the ground and you're just standing over him. <laughs> you fucking idiot. And knowing Scott Hall and Kevin Ash, that's probably what they wanted to say to him, but they, they had to be like, oh, hit him. Like, like, like Hall was doing it like, like, like big motions, like, like the NWO, like pointing thing or whatever, but it was essentially him go like, a, like an air traffic controller. Hit him. You, you know what I mean? Well, he didn't have a ball in his hand, so he didn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, so that's what they did this whole thing. For. And it, to me, came off flatter than a fucking plate of piss. All right, so we went into, uh, we just discussed um, WCW Nitro from Chicago. And um, now we're going to go into WWF Raw, Raw is War, from Lake Placid, New York. Um Ah! <laughs> one of them to say, I "If this, if I, if I had a dick, this is when I tell you to suck it." Yes, that's what <laughs> rest, in, rest in peace, Betty White. And they said we're, when Vince was like, "It's Raw's War from Lake Placid." I was like, "Eh." If May Raw Young could have been on this show, if May Young could have been on this show, to suck it. That's all I thought about. I'm like, all right, this is great. Um, the show. <laughs> Oh my God! You just made me think about some shit when she did that Bronco Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Good shit, pal. <laughs> like I said, the next year we're gonna discuss is 2004. So I don't know. She was showed up then, right? Yeah. Oh, more than likely. Oh yeah, she'll be there. Um, the show opens with Vince McMahon and Jim Ross discussing the backstage brawl between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um. So they're actually discussing behind the scenes things on the show. Um, it, it, it's essentially, I don't want to say forcing the hand, but it's Vince allowing dirt sheet stuff to be, ignored. you know what I'm saying? So, so, so they're, they're selecting the things that they want to speak about because what happened behind this, behind the scenes actually kind of is interview interfering with their show a little bit. So instead of making up a story about, you know, a bunch of Marines beating up Shawn Michaels in a parking lot, <laughs> Shawn Michaels <laughs> having a concussion, 
it was like two guys beat the shit out of Sean. Let's just say what it was. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't twenty Marines kicking the shit out of Sean Michaels. It was two guys that he fucked with and they beat him up. But anyway, <laughs> they acknowledged the fact that Sean and Brett had this um, backstage fight and Sean re-injured his knee. So they are now setting up a tag team tournament and it is not to declare the new tag team. It is a tag team tournament where the winners will face Stone Cold Steve Austin and a partner of his choosing. Um, And basically it's said that Steve Austin um, doesn't even want a partner. Um, Steve Austin ends up storming out. The crowd pops when his music goes off. He demands to be interviewed. McMahon um, holds the microphones for Steve Austin. And Steve Austin's cutting his promo about not really needing a tag team partner. And then the man, the and then the mankind appears on the Titan Tron, um, begging to be Steve Austin's tag team partner. And Steve Austin says, why would I want you to be my tag team partner? You're a freak. And you ain't even got no ears. <laughs> and you're missing an ear. He says, you're a freak. And you ain't even got no ears. I thought it was funny. Me too. <laughs> and then McMahon recaps last week. Um, the foundation attacking Steve Austin and Mankind and Pillman. And this, that, and the other thing. Um, like we talked about last week. And then Shamrock saving um, Austin from the attack. Or, sorry. The match last week was supposed to be Pillman and Austin. The Hart Foundation attacks Austin. It rolls into the Mankind-Pillman match. The Hearts end up getting involved. And then Austin comes out and tries to not save Mankind, but essentially beat up the Hart Foundation. And then Ken Shamrock comes out last week in this recap to save Steve Austin, which he does. And then Steve Austin ends up um, stunning Ken Shamrock. And then Ken Shamrock cuts up, comes out this week and he cuts a promo. Anyway, Ken Shamrock comes out and he cuts a non um, like articulate promo and he's just babbling and, um, the, it makes no sense, but what he's trying to say is since the Steve Austin match um, didn't happen last, let me find my notes, because that match not happening. Give me a second, guys. I'm sorry. Basically, what Ken Shamrock says is since, um, since that match didn't happen last week between Pillman and Austin, and now Pillman and Austin are wrestling this week, he wants a match with Steve Austin immediately following the Brian Pillman. And it makes about as much sense as how I just tried to explain it. Steve um, and Steve Austin being the professional that he was, if my audio would have worked, has to basically reiterate what Ken Shamrock said. You know what I'm saying? Like he has like, like Steve, the, the human being, Steve Williams, listened to Ken Shamrock, try to, get to where they were supposed to be and said, so essentially what you want and, and speak it back to him. Right. That's what we're getting out of this is that Brian Pillman and Steve Austin are wrestling tonight. Mm -hmm. And no matter the outcome, Ken Shamrock wants to fight Steve Austin immediately following that match due to him being stunned last week. 
Does that make sense? Yep. And then um, Jim Ross hypes that later on tonight, the new nation is going to form um, because Farouk is obviously forming the new nation and it's going to be um, the Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson versus a mystery opponent and Farouk. And then we get a commercial for the Stone Cold Said So VHS, which was fucking awesome. One of the greatest VHSs ever created. Um, we should all do that as like a when Nate's Patreon starts or whatever. We just watch that for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Either we all just watch it individually or we just all put it on our fucking screen and watch it together and just laugh or have a good time. Um, then Vince McMahon and JR um, interview Brian Pillman and they discuss the footage of him when he got his, his head put in the fucking toilet. And then Vince McMahon mentions that the Hart Foundation during the Brian Pillman um, Steve Austin match will all be handcuffed to corner posts and says that um, that's what's happening. They're doing that handcuff gimmick. They didn't get to do it. The King of the ring. Um, obviously Brett's not here because of that fight. And then Brian Pillman says that Ken Shamrock won't even get a chance to get at Steve Austin because after the match is done, Steve Austin is going to be a crap. So that's basically what we're setting up in this like first, like 30 minutes of raw is Steve Austin versus Brian Pillman. And Ken Shamrock has a problem with Austin and the new nation of domination is... And you're getting your shades of gray. Yes. Uh, does all that make sense? Yes. I stumbled over my words a little bit, and a little bit of my audio being lost kind of threw me off a little bit. So I just want to make sure we were all still knowing what I was talking about, and it just wasn't some fucking idiot rambling. Um, so the first match we get is the first match of the tournament, the tag team tournament, deciding who will face Steve Austin and his um, partner of his choice for the tag team titles. And this match is the new Black Jacks um, versus Owen Hart and the British Bull. Which was Wyndham and Bradshaw, correct? Yes. And um, one of my notes is that I think the new Black Jacks, Wyndham and Bradshaw, would have been a much more successful team if they wouldn't have been the new Black No, no doubt. No like if, doubt. If it would have been – if they would have called them anything else, gave them anything else, or just called them Barry Windham, the Widowmaker Barry Windham and Justin Hawk Bradshaw, it would have been much better. Mm-hmm. But the minute you try to recreate something that was sex, sex, successful before, it just doesn't fucking work. <coughs> the new rockers. Yeah, like, <laughs> Wyndham and Bradshaw was a good. Wyndham and Bradshaw were a good fucking tag team, in my opinion. They were an ass kicking, scary ass looking team, but they saddled them with a fucking gimmick that wasn't gonna work in '96. Right, it's just how I feel. Um, so I'm kind of glad you guys agreed. It, mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be like if they tried to recreate the Four Horsemen with new people now. Yeah, like, oh, these are the new horsemen. It's like, that doesn't work. Just because they look like them doesn't mean it's... Right. You know, it's like, oh, it's the new horsemen. That's Dolph Ziggler, The Miz. It's like, eh, no. Call them something else. Give them something original. Or just, like I said, call them Barry Wyndham and Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Right. Would have been much better. Um, But as the match goes on, Bradshaw hits Bulldog with a Russian leg sweep. Um... 
And as that's going on, Wyndham is trying to get into the ring for some reason, which distracts the referee, which gets um, Bradshaw mad. So I think they're already starting to try to, like, you know, set the seeds for these these two get not agreeing with each other. Um, Bradshaw ends up going for a powerbomb on Bulldog. Um, but Owen ends up kicking Bulldog or Bradshaw with a, with a spin wheel kick. And so basically Bradshaw is going for the powerbomb. Owen does a spin wheel kick, which flips over Bradshaw and Bulldog goes over and basically does a sunset flip on him and pins him one, two, three. And Owen and Bulldog advance in the good match, predictable finish. Yes. Yeah, very. Four very talented guys. It's just, it was what it was. It wasn't anything bad. It wasn't anything good. It was just, and then we get a recap from last week of Farouk firing um, Crush and Savio from the Nation of Domination. So the nation, the original Nation of Domination is broke up, and Farouk is saying that he's going to form the new one later. Um, then Vince McMahon interviews Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. Um, Undertaker goes to start his promo, and Paul Bearer um, tells him, basically, shut the fuck up. You got to listen to me now. Um, and um, basically, Bearer says that The Undertaker ain't going to say nothing, um, and all the secrets are... Bearer won't say anything because the minute he starts bailing out his, speak, his secrets or whatever, all his power has gone away. Basically. So he won't tell McMahon what any of this is about. Um, then Vince McMahon interviews Ken Shamrock again, and Shamrock's in the backstage area, and it's another big fucking dog turd of a promo. Um, I don't know if Ken Shamrock got kicked by like a horse when he was a kid, <laughs> or if it was just too much MMA. I don't know what it, it's either he got hit by he got kicked by a horse, or it was Hoist Gracie, one of the two. Fuck this guy horse or hoist that's the name of the episode <laughs> but either way it knocked him into a fucking idiot um so he cuts a dog shit promo and then the next match we get is Phineas Godwin versus Triple H accompanied by China um so it's it's just a basic match is this uh leading up for the whole uh Hog pin match and all that. No, oh, that was years ago. Oh well, then what the fuck are we still doing with them two against each other? <laughs> I have no idea, but it's happening. Um, really, the only note other than the match, other than a couple match notes I have, is does anybody have thoughts on Dennis Knight? He's not somebody that gets talked about a lot on any of our shows. He wasn't bad. I didn't. Yeah, like he, the... he was fine for what he was. You know, right. I didn't like the whole naked minion thing, but. <laughs> he did but, no i mean he was he was a good hand um and he was he was the perfect partner for 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 um henry godwin yeah you know they, they looked they the part together obviously they were they were uh, a tag team in wcw beforehand so they knew each other with the shanghai pierce and Texas lesson but no i mean he was he was a good hand um that guy that you know he's on that level where he's never going to be a breakout single star or or set the world on fire, but he has a place on right. Um the only note I had on him um and like you brought up the WCW thing. If you go back and watch the 92 WCW center stage Saturday nights, he was a in that building 
like ECW crowd guy. Like if you go back and watch it, like when he would come out, like people had signs for him. And when he oh yeah, he was until uh, he tagged, they'd be like, "Yay!" And to, then we tag out, they'd be like, "Boo!" Yeah, well, and him and Sla- him and uh, Canterbury both were there. Him more, but yeah, they were both over. And I'll, I'll just say like a comparison because we've talked about it before. Um, it's like the Quebecers in '93 in the Manhattan. Like they were the know? constant thing that was on. Yeah, that they, they were over with that crowd. Anyway. Um, um, Triple H ends up um, knocking Phineas out to the floor. And while that's going on, they take that time to mention that Triple H will be facing Mankind officially at In Your House Canadian Stampede. Um, then Pig goes for the slop drop, but China distracts him. Um, Pig is um, China, and Triple H ends up low blowing Pig while he's kissing China. And gets the pedigree, and your winner is um, um, Triple H. And Henry Godwin comes out, and he's chewing out Pig. And for some reason, at this point, the fans decide to chant, "He's a heel." I don't know who they're chanting that. I don't know if they're chanting <laughs> that at Hunter. I don't know if they're chanting that at Pig. I don't know if they're chanting that at Henry. But they're just like, "He's a heel. He's a heel." Okay. <laughs> I don't understand it. One guy got that going, and nobody knew what they were cheering, what they were chanting about. Um, so there's not a lot left to say about Pig versus Triple H, right? Nope. All right, so we'll move on. Um, Farouk once again is trying to discuss the new nation because he keeps getting interrupted or whatever, and he says that he guarantees tonight that two new members, two new members, will debut in the nation of domination. And that is important to remember because right now the nation of domination is only him and D two members. Um, and then Sonny comes out and she's looking fucking fantastic. It's 97 cami cinch. So, you know, not overweight. Don't get much better than 90 fucking seven Sonny, but she comes out and she's going to introduce or be the guest re-announcer for the next match. Paul Heyman's on headset. And the next match is a interpromotional match. And it is Brian Christopher representing the USWA and Chris Candido representing the ECW. Um, Sonny says that Chris Candido is weighing in at 200 and I think she says 245 pounds and five foot nine of complete sexy Chris Candido. Um, I don't think she, she, I, I think she's, already taken poll from other places, but she's still putting her man over. Good for her. <laughs> um, Candido ends up um, starting the match. Um, Paulie dangerously um, shoots on Chris Can- uh, on Brian Christopher being Jerry Lawler's mom. Or, sorry. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> I got these notes. Maybe you know that. Dangerously shoots on Chris Brian Christopher being Jerry Lawler's son, but then says that his mom is probably only 38. So he doesn't know how that works. <laughs> um, so basically he's insinuating that Jerry Lawler impregnated a 13-year-old. Yes. Um it, it's actually a pretty good televi- television match. Um I do put in I did put in my notes here that these guys both Brian Christopher 
and Chris Candido would be in my like if I had to come if I had to put together like my top fifty favorite wrestlers, these guys would be in it. Nate knows about the style of wrestler that is is my bag, and I like a compact, good, solid bell to bell fucking wrestler. I'd rather watch I'd rather watch two guys like this size or like Tommy Rogers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ben, or Benoit dynamite going back and forth and watching fucking big ass some bitches wrestling each other. But that's just my personal preference. Don't care what anybody else. Th- I shouldn't say don't care what anybody else thinks. If it, I, I don't, I don't say it. like, I understand if other people don't like it, but I like wrestlers like this. And these guys have a really good fucking match. Um, it's not very long, but it's not, it's not, it's not too long. It's not too short. Um, it's getting over the ECW brand, and they're also bringing the USWA into it, which brings Lawler into it. Um, and the minute that um, Heyman ends up bringing up the fact that Jerry Lawler is Brian Christopher's dad and Brian Christopher's mom was 13 when she had him, this brings out Jerry Lawler, who slaps um, Polly in the face, and RVD comes out as well, and then it turns into uh, a big schmoz, and Tommy Dreamer ends up jumping the railing, um, save Paul Heyman, and it turns into RVD, Brian Christopher, and Jerry Lawler um, brawling with Tommy Dreamer and all the officials or whatever break it up. It's a big schmoz. There's no result to this match. That's how that ends. And at this point, ECW on WWF has jumped the shark. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that before WrestleMania 13 and before Barely Legal, um, <clears throat> when they did the stuff in the in the Manhattan Center and then they did the, you know, the Seesaws and Jerry, or Seesaws and Jerry, Seesaws in Memphis, Jerry <laughs> promo and all that, that was fine. But to me at this point, yes, I think ECW on WWF had jumped the shark. And I think the reason it jumped the shark is Vince wasn't Vince wasn't committed to this anymore. So he, I mean, he was letting it happen because he said it could happen. I don't think but, he was committed to it when it happened. I don't think he knew what it was. No, but uh, do you see what I'm saying though? Like it was, it was much more effective before barely legal than it is three months. Later. Yeah, it shouldn't be. I get what you're saying. It shouldn't be on Vince's TV. It should be on Paul's TV. Exactly. Like. Like it should be USWA versus ECW on hardcore TV, not on Raw. Yeah. Maybe with the special appearance by Lawler on ECW, right? And plus the people watching hardcore TV are gonna know what the fuck USWA is. Mm-hmm. Not everybody watching Raw has any ninety percent of the people watching Raw have no fucking idea what any of this is. Like, what's that? All I know is WCW and WWF. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I get what you're saying. Um, so that happened, and then Jim Neidhart cuts a promo. Yeah, I just said that. Jim Neidhart cuts a promo. It's not very good. Um, talking about gold dust because the next match we're gonna get is a match that I didn't even ever remember happening. Um, and I don't think it ever happened again. It's Jim Neidhart versus Gold Dust. There, that is. Uh, <laughs> the in the match they like during the match they talk. More about the worst thing I think they ever did with the Gold Dust character, and it is about Gold Dust wanting his dad's respect. 
I hate that aspect of it. Yeah, it was lame. It well, I mean, me- honest to God, until 2003 or 2002, 2003, when he was with Booker T, that character doesn't work as a baby face anyway. Right. And and it could have if they didn't make him sound like such a whiny bitch. Oh, my dad didn't love me, and that's why I dress like this now. It's like, he should have been like, fuck you, Dusty. You know what I mean? I took this yeah. business and shoved up your ass, and I made my... But anyway, I don't want to get too into the weeds on that. Um, um, Bulldog comes out during the match and grabs Marlena, which distracts Goldust. And um, they end up trying to double team Goldust, but he gets out of it and um, knocks um, Davy off the ring. Ends up getting an inside cradle on um, Bulldog. And in a rare WCW production snafu, Goldust, or WCW-esque snafu, Gold Dust gets the inside cradle on Bold on Nightheart, pins Nightheart, and then they play the British Bulldogs music. <laughs> so Goldie rolls him up one, two, three, and it's like Well, I mean, at least they're in the same stable. Yeah, so I guess you can happened. say that. So that happened. Um, and then we roll into the war zone, and I promise you guys this won't go much longer um, because the longest thing we get is Brian Pillman versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. The foundation is handcuffed to corners. Um, they both jumpstart the match. Um, JR is putting over Pillman's football roots. Um, um, Pillman keeps smacking. Like, it's great. This match is so good. Like Pillman, like Pillman will get knocked down. Like Austin will knock Pillman down, and instead of focusing on like I got Pillman down now, he's focusing on the fact that all the hearts are handcuffed. So he's like, "Oh, I knocked this raspy son bitch down now." So now he has to go outside, pop, 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 pop. Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm gonna go in here and hit this guy. Um, it's like it's almost a bigger distraction for the Steve Austin, Steve Austin's character that these guys are subdued. Than them not being subdued, you right. know what I mean? Uh, so they keep kind of doing that back and forth. Pillman ends up busting his nose open. I don't know where that happened at, but Pillman has a busted nose, like a legit busted nose. Um, the match goes on. Um, Austin ends up getting mad at the referee because the referee's trying to like pull him off of Pillman, so he stuns the referee. And while the referee is stunned. And um, Pillman gets an object and strikes um, Austin with it. And but while the referee's down, Owen Hart, being the sneaky little shit that he is, steals the key out of the referee's pocket, unlocks himself, and then locks unlocks all of the Hart Foundation. And they kind of like you know mob onto Steve, which brings out Goldust, um, uh, Mankind, and the and, and Ken Shamrock. Um, which they run them all off, and then it breaks down to just being Ken Shamrock and Steve Austin, and they fight back and forth, and then the LOD randomly comes out to separate Ken Shamrock and Steve Austin, which then brings back out Gold Dust. I know this sounds like a lot, but it, we're getting Gold <laughs> Dust coming back out. So you guys know about Gold Dust, right? 
Yes, the gist of this, and I'm going to describe this the way that I was going to describe it while you were describing it. This is the perfect way. Good. Well, this is the perfect way that you can't describe this. You can't describe shit like this, and it doesn't work because it did. And I do it sometimes, especially like on my show. And I don't want to get in the weeds, but on my show, when I'm like when I'm running down the card of an ECW show. I, you can't describe shit like this. You have to just go, okay, so this is the, a bunch of shit happened, and here you go. Because you're essentially, this is creatively, this is going to sound stupid. It's going to sound a stupid analogy, but it's a seven layer bean dip. I get you know, that. you're, you are, you have layers of this that you're telling in, in on a wrestling show in like a four and a half minute segment. So you're just piling on the guac and piling on the refried beans and the sour cream and the fucking tomatoes and the fucking beans and shit. And Tommy Cairo's like, I got fresh tomatoes and all this shit's <laughs> going down. Fruit. <laughs> fresh fruits. Not on my bean dip, fucking Tommy Cairo. Back off. But... <laughs> That's that's essentially what's going on here because we're building to one of the greatest matches of all time, the ten man tag at Canadian Stampede. Yes. So like Nate said, um Bean Dip. The bean dip of the situation <laughs> is Gold Dust told um um Shamrock Austin and the LOD to stop fighting. They challenged five guys. We're your five best against our five best. We're the five best. So the Canadian Stampede main event has been set up. It's going to be the Hart Foundation versus the LOD, Gold Dust, Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock. Sorry it took a long way and internet fucks up fucking connection fuck ups to get there, but that's what it is. Um, so then we get an interview with the Hart Foundation backstage and they accept that. And then um, Sable. Um, comes out and she cuts a shitty promo and does some horrible um, ring introductions. But the match itself isn't bad because it is Bobby Fulton versus, um, in my opinion, one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, Tommy. And it's a really good match um, for what it is. Um, it, it, <laughs> I thought it was weird because they had Bobby Fulton playing the playing the heel, even though Tommy Rogers looks more like a heel. But it was what it was. Um, and Tommy Rogers ends up getting um, the Tommy knocker on Bobby Fulton and winning the match. <laughs> the Stephen King movie? <laughs> no. What the Tommy knocker is, is one of the um, – um, he invented the move, and it's one of the most – it's one of the most stalled moves ever after he invented it. It, it you know, Christians on prettier will take a guy, spin him around, right. put their head like basically on their, like in between their back and smack them down or whatever. Right. Tommy Rogers invented that shit. He invented the time. Fucking everybody stole it. And, <laughs> and I think that if it would have been a, if he would have came back, in 90 if Tommy Rogers would have came back in 96 instead of 97 I think he would have had a I think he would have had a different I think he would have had a different right second part of his coming back so he might not agree but that's what I said what's that sorry I had to go to the bathroom that's okay the match you missed was they it was like 
a one-off between Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. And it, Tommy Rogers, like I told Mark, ends up winning the match with the Tommy knock, which is basically the move he invented. And, you know, obviously I had to, you know, make the joke yeah, about the Stephen King reference. Yeah, but I, I, I told him, I think if, like, Tommy would have came back to, to, like, television in 96, I think he would have had a different Possibly. second, I think. But anyway, that match happens. Tommy Rogers wins. Um, I think it's the only time that fucking Bobby Fulton or Tommy Rogers, WF, television at least. And then Sable ends up waving to the crowd after the match. Mark Merrow comes out and he's selling the upset about everybody gawking at Sable. And then Sable goes, oh, it's the wild man. And, and Vince acknowledges that Sable is acknowledging Mark Merrow. So she's not being selfish. But like, like Sable isn't seeing that whatever. Like she's like, oh, there's my husband. He's great, right? And everybody's like, yeah, he's okay, but show us your tits. <laughs> and then we get another um, tag team tournament match, and it's the Headbangers versus Jerry Lawler and RVD. Um, Paulie Dangerously and Tommy Dreamer are watching from the crowd, um, and as they're watching, the match is going on. Sandman pops out of nowhere and ends up. Um, smacking Jerry Lawler in his dick and balls with the cane, which allows the headbangers to advance in the tournament. So the headbangers win that with help from the Sandman. So that happened. And like Nate said, the ECW thing is just kind of there now. They, yeah. It doesn't feel like an ECW thing anymore. Nah. It's jumped the shark. Yes. And then we get... Um, Undertaker, Ahmed Johnson, Paul Bearer promo because they're going to this next match against Farouk and his unknown um, partners. Um, um, Paul Bearer yells at the Undertaker and the Undertaker goes to talk back and Ahmed ends up cutting off Undertaker as well and tells uh, Paul Bearer that he's a um, stupid Pillsbury Doughboy and he just needs to stay out of the way. So that happened. And then Ahmed Johnson and the Undertaker come out, and they're going to face Farouk at an unknown partner. And um, Farouk ends up bringing his partner out, and it's Kama Mustafa. So the guy, it's Kama, the ultimate, what was he? The ultimate, he was the supreme fighting machine. Supreme fighting machine. Supreme fighting machine, Papa Shango. And it's great. It's great to see Kama back. I'm a yes. big Kama. I'm a big Godfather fan. Um, Charles Wright fan. But then you go to that. What What could have been? And have you guys ever seen the shit like where they were they were ready to bring Papa Shango back? Yeah, but they thought of Kane instead. Kind of, sorta. Yeah. I I just it's like man, if you would have edged up and re made more realistic. Because Papa Shango is one of my like my favorite heel gimmicks ever. They just cartooned it up too much, you know, in 92. Um, if you could have brought that character back with an edge, a more sadistic, you know, like for this time period edge, that would have been fucking sweet. But anyway, it's cool well, to see him back regardless. Then we would have never got the Godfather. Maybe, maybe not. You never know. But anyway. he could he could he could have done the thing like like Charles Wright does now where 
he uh, he does a little he video the where he's yeah he's he's he Papa Shango, but then he pops the, the fucking thing has, over his head and then he hits he the, the bowl, bowl and then he takes it off and he's yeah. fucking he's Godfather. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, no matter what incarnation Charles Wright's fucking yes. So we get him as Kama Mustafa now. So he is the first new member of the new Nation of Domination. And he joins Farouk in this match. And they're discussing the fact that Farouk has said there's going to be two new members, but we've only gotten one. And they thought that it was going to be um, Undertaker and Ahmed versus the two new members. But we just have Farouk out here. Get where I'm going? Um, Yep. So then they speculate... During the match, who some of this, who the next new member of the Nation of Domination is going to be. They're like, apparently we're not going to find out. But this, this, these, I should say, are the people that Jim Ross and Vince McMahon speculate are the new members, possible new members of the Nation of Domination. You guys want to know who they are? Want to know? All right. Um, the first name they bring up is Mr. Hughes. <laughs> Mr. Hughes could possibly be one of the new members of the new Nation of Domination. He'd be the sleeper. Yes, the sleeping king. Um, the next name is Butch Reed, which actually would have made sense. Wouldn't have been bad. Would have made sense. And then they say, oh, well, maybe it's the junkyard dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's a face. That's a heel fashion. He's super black. He's probably a junkyard <laughs> dog. And then Vince McMahon goes, I've also heard it's possibly Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> that that would that would have been terrible. So in a minute span, they said, We don't know who this next member is gonna be, but we think it's either Curtis Hughes, Butch Reed, Junkyard Dog, or Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh, but it did. That's a hell of a list of candidates. Yes, and and only one of them would have been all right. Um, so as the match is going on, um, um, Paul Bearer just what? Are you thinking of Abdul the Butcher? No, yes, because I'm thinking of <laughs> Gary Hart with the Nation of Domination. Blacker than any of them. Ricky Flair. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Gary Hart's invited to the cookout. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Kevin Federline too, right? <laughs> Ricky Flair. Every time I think of Gary Hart, I think of him saying Ricky Flair. I don't know why. Ricky Flair. Ricky Flair. <laughs> like I thought he was half black until I realized he wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> um, the match goes on, and I'm I'm sorry I figured out I, I forgot to write down how we got to the finish, but I did write. Ahmed never tags into the match. It's just Kama and Farouk beating down the Undertaker. And it ends up, the match ends with um, Kama actually pinning the Undertaker. One, two, three, in the middle of the ring. And then Ahmed Johnson gets into the ring, stands over the Undertaker like he's going to help him up. Like he's standing over him. He he picks him up by his his armpits. Like, oh, I'm going to help you up. And then guess what he does? He hits the Pearl River Plunge on The Undertaker, and Ahmed Johnson joins the Nation of Domination. So now your Nation of Domination is Farouk, Kama Mustafa, D'Lo Brown, and Ahmed Johnson. And all I can think about is Gary Hart in a sweater. Ricky Flair. Saying Ricky Flair. 
<laughs> He's got to be in a sweater though. Yeah. Like, what other wrestling manager would just fucking put on a fucking ugly Christmas sweater and come out and be like, "Look, Ricky Flair," <laughs> or he's like, "It's done, fellas. It's done, fellas. We've done what we've done. Let's go over here. I got some potato salad. <laughs> I have some ham hocks, <laughs> and I have some Mad Dog 2020, and let's celebrate our victory over Ricky Flair <laughs> over." Over that, that stanky ass Undertaker. And you, Chris Von Eric, <laughs> Bruce or Brody, and Ricky. F- I've smoked some meat. Let's have a good I've, time. I've smoked some meat. Uh, smoked some weed. <laughs> Let's have a good old time, Ricky Flair. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gary <laughs> motherfucking heart. I can't <laughs> with you two. I, I just can't <laughs> with you two. <laughs> and then he turns on some like earth, wind, and fire. And he's like, I want to bring in a guest. I want to bring in a guest right now. It's not Ricky Flair. It's Ernie Ladd. And Ernie Ladd's like Mr. Television announcer. <laughs> the fucking Pearl River plunge happens, and he's got potato salad and ham hocks. Fucking rubber band man comes on the fucking <laughs> radio. No, he's playing some Jackie Wilson. And they just soul train line out of there like <laughs> <laughs> Reet Petit, Ricky Flair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not knocking that shit because that sounds fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> he wants some potato salad now. Yeah, if I could eat some like potato salad and then like do like the Soul Train dance line out of a, like a room, there ain't no there fun. ain't no party like a Gary Hart party because a Gary Hart party don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Fritz von Eric, and you, Bruiser. He would be like, I have this fat black man from Africa. <laughs> like he would just <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he would. He'd be like, I have this big black from Africa, Abdullah. But like he was just, he didn't give a fuck. And <laughs> Gary Hart didn't give a fuck. He would just be like this fat black from Africa. Jesus Christ, Gary. I know civil rights is I know it's civil know rights. Black. I know civil rights is only twenty years old, but for fuck's sake, <laughs> chill the fuck out, man. <laughs> I know I hijacked the end of your show, Aaron. But no, it's fine. Shit. And then if somebody would call, if somebody would call him on his shit, he just pull a blade on him. Yeah, you follow me. I got a fat black blade in my pocket too. <laughs> I'm saying, like, Rick and Morton, Rick and Flag. <laughs> Rick I feel Starks. like he would call Ricky Rick Starks in 2022. In 2022, he'd be like, "Look at here, Rick Starks." <laughs> I feel like he called. I feel like he would call Ricky Morton Rick. Morton. Yeah, Rick Starks, Jake Steamboat. <laughs> now I'm just Thank you, Jim Snuka. Raw was okay though. Yes, Raw was okay. Um, the reason that Raw this last two weeks have seemed kind of fucked. Is because of the Shawn Michaels and, and they're rebounding after the, that fight. Not to dilute anything, not to get too into the weeds, because I'm sure you probably talked about it on your show, Nate. But that fight really did legitimately fuck up a lot. Yes, because and Jim Cor- Jim Cornette has a baggie. Jim Cornette has a baggie of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, because Shawn got hurt, so it took him out of it. And they couldn't not do something to Brett. They couldn't not punish Brett at all. You know what I mean? 
So it just kind of fucked everything up a little bit. They're, they're going to rebound next week and especially going into that. I mean, still, it was leaps and bounds better than fucking Nitro. Oh, yeah. But like I said, they'll, they'll rebound next week and definitely into that Stampede pay-per-view. And then we're going to, unfortunately, in a couple of months, get into the most over-discussed, basically going to get into the 9-11 of wrestling, which I'm going to try to gloss over. But we'll get there. Then. But I want to thank everybody that listened for listening along. And I want to thank you guys for listening to me ramble about this shit and discuss old wrestling that I like talking about and bearing through my internet stat snafu. And unless you guys got anything you want to hype, we'll go ahead and end the show. What do you got to say, Mark Brew? <laughs> um, just continue listening. Check out everything on the WrestleNet Radio Network. And you guys have a have a happy holidays and everybody stay safe. But don't see you again before the New Year's. Happy fucking New Year too. Yep. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, that's all I got to say. And word of mouth, folks. If you like this show or any of the other shows, that's the best way to promote it. We don't have any advertising except you people telling other people. Um, thank you for listening. Um, Happy New Year, Merry Kwanzaa, and whatever the fuck you celebrate. Enjoy it. Eat fucking food. That's all it is. It's just food. And it's basically the same food. So just enjoy your food. Don't fucking get mad at your family for a day. Go home and jerk it. Ricky Flair. Ricky Flair.